Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. A quick change of scenery for this week's edition of the Mass and All Access podcast. Welcome into the show, everyone. Thank you for making us a part of your late Tuesday afternoon. Bobby Blanco, Amy Jennings, coming at you from the Mass and Web Studio, not the Mass and Newsroom. Like I said, I had to do kind of do like a quick fire drill uh, at our old location. Pack everything up, come down here um, and unload it. Uh, shout out to Brendan Mortensen and Paul Mancano for. Uh, running around with me uh, all afternoon um, to uh, set up this uh, our new space. But Amy, I have to admit, I am a little more, it's a comfort level for me in this studio. I like being here a little better than up at our old newsroom. I, I don't know why. I think it's just because this has been my office for 10 seasons now. I'm just a little, a little more comfortable being in here doing know, the podcast. It feels a little bit more like home. I don't know if it's the exposed brick or mm-hmm. just that it's uh, we're used to this, but it feels comfortable. And yeah. I feel like at first it was like, okay, we're, we get to do these back in person now. And now it's kind of like, oh, okay, we get to be back in our studio. So I like being here. I prefer it as well. So hopefully we'll be here to stay for a little while. Yeah, we did Fingers our crossed. first couple of episodes back in person in what early July. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a couple here. Uh, we did the draft show here. You did the Mass and All Access draft show here, and then we had to get then we got back the old up, boot. Yeah, get the old boot back up I eighty three, and they have been there ever since. So it's good to be back in here. Like I said, a comfort level, um, and and talking baseball. I mean, we, you know, we're we're able to watch it. You, like I said, it's a late afternoon start. I mean, just because we had to set up everything, and you, we've got playoff baseball to, to watch later today. Um, I think the. Uh, uh, NLCS gets underway in like less than an hour from right now. Yeah, what? Why are they playing? Why is that the LA game? game? Yeah. I, so what time is it there? They, it's uh, it's gonna be two o'clock. Two o'clock. Two o'clock That's in LA so on a, on, a, on a Tuesday. I guess they want the Boston market. Yeah. I, I mean, that. I guess it's Boston versus LA though. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I guess because even if the LA starts at eight o'clock Eastern time, it'll only be five o'clock there. It's a good question. It is odd, but I guess they want the Boston market at, for the primetime prime slot. Um, and maybe Atlanta doesn't draw on the numbers that the national audience is tuning in to see Houston. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's maybe maybe people are tuning in to see Houston and rooting against them uh, as opposed to rooting for the, the, the Dodgers or the Braves. So it is, it is interesting that they switch that around. I wonder, because is ALCS, the championship series are 2-3-2, two, two, right? So they'll play three games in Boston if necessary, and then go back for two more. Or is it two two one one one? I forget because when the Nats two, were in it, two, they swept, so we never got that far. Two three two. Paul McConnell saying two three two. So they'll mm-hmm. play three in Fenway, yeah. three at Dodger Stadium, and then go back to either Atlanta or Houston Depending if necessary. Um, I mean, we we'll, we'll we'll talk about the Nationals, of course, in a little bit. But I mean, how about? Braves, geez, these two nothing on both walk-offs in games of one and two. Neither series are even remotely close to what I thought they were. No, be. oh, we are very out on <laughs> our playoff predictions. They were out the window in the division series. Yeah, so I don't know if Nationals fans are happy with their their division representing. Uh, maybe mix. No, that's them not a thing. Or yeah, no, not, not, a pro, thing. not in pro sports. You would that's know. not a thing. Not a, we've de- we've had this debate. Yeah, but it, in college, in college, yeah, a little bit more. You might want to root for your conference, like ACC Big Ten Challenge. You know, you want to root for and your And it depends other. on what, te- like, the team in the division as well. You know, yeah. obviously, like, there's different types of rivalries, but. Yeah, it's true. I think, I think Nationals fans, if I'm putting my fan hat on, I think Nationals fans are rooting against the Braves and are probably rooting more for Max and Trey with the Dodgers. But if it was, like, 
the Marlins, I feel like people wouldn't be as out exactly. on the Marlins, rooting exactly. against the Marlins as they were. They would be the Mets, Phillies, and Braves. Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, so, I point. don't know. It's kind of crazy, exciting, all these grand slams. Like, good. what Schwarbert, is the, going on? Schwarbaum, I mean, he's that is exactly why the uh, Red Sox traded for Kyle Schwarber, uh, even when he was hurt. This, because they know he brings that power uh, at Fenway, too. I mean, what a swing. <laughs> he hit that into the upper deck. Gone. <laughs> Absolute gone. <laughs> Just a monster shot. And, and, I mean, Fenway was rocking. And, you know, that's this is... October. I, we're going to see, hopefully... I don't... There's no former Nationals on the Braves, is there? If the Dodgers come back down 2 nothing and win and move, move on to the World Series... There will be at least one former national representing both teams in the World Series. The Braves are the only team I can't think of who had have a former national, but you got Dusty Baker, of course, with the Astros. Right. You've got Kyle Schorber with the Red Sox, and then Trey and Max over in LA. Um, so, I mean, that's maybe, is that, is that something Nationals fans are rooting for? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think so. And, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the pitching. The Ast- I mean, Man. Dusty, he's got to figure something out there because, well, it, it also doesn't help. I mean, postseason all of these pitchers and there have been some obviously pretty dominant pitchers in this postseason and they're only going a couple innings and I think yeah. that's really been the difference I've really I don't think I've ever seen pitchers on such such a short leash leash, leash yeah before this year have well, you no um no not really be and like well you look at the the, the Astros I mean McCullers Jr. is probably their best pitcher right now he's, he's injured um obviously no Verlander um you know Recruity did not get very deep in last night. What he went two innings, if that. I think I pulled in the second. So yeah, no, it's been brutal, and the offenses have exploded. And don't forget the Dodgers. I mean, the the Red Sox were shut out in Game One. Mm -hmm. So and now they've just they're making offenses come. So here's another question, not to completely get off on a tangent about the postseason, but for Nationals fans, you're looking at the ALCS. Obviously, not not your league. So there's no division opponent to root against. There's no playoff rival in the Dodgers to root against. Or, you know, former, but are you rooting for Kyle Schwarber because he was here for six months? Or are you rooting for Dusty Baker? Or are you admirably rooting against the Astros because of the cheating scandal and everything? Yeah, I think that's a hard thing. I mean, I won't lie, as a fan, that's what's hard for me with the Astros because I am rooting for Dusty Baker, but you also, it's kind of hard, I would imagine, for Nationals fans to root for the Astros. But I would say say their alliance might be more with Dusty Baker than it is with Kyle Schwarber because obviously it's easier to root for Trey Turner who you know you you, you right. saw in, in a Washington uniform for so many years obviously Max Scherzer right. it's a little bit you know easier to root for them but then on this side this side in this series I don't know I mean you want Kyle Schwarber to do well but I, I would say you're rooting for Dusty more. That's what I'm doing. And I had this conversation with my dad the other day and because he's at very much so rooting against the Astros because which I understand. But my point is the Nationals beat the Astros. Exactly. So I think it's it like I can different. I, I don't forgive what they did, but it's like exactly. the Nationals won. So it's like I don't it's, hold that much venom toward the Astros because they beat we beat right. them. I think we it's, being, it's me, different being for like Yankees fans, which right. they're really in a predicament no, in this series be. because it's the Red Sox and Astros, right. but you're you don't have that, oh well we beat them in the World Series. Right. You know, obviously they're they're the ones who knocked them out in two thousand nineteen out yep. of the ALCS and and they came up short of the World Series. So I think it's more difficult for them. But I think that's a really good point. You know, you beat them. So. If, if the if the Nationals would have lost and then all that stuff came out, absolutely root against mm-hmm. the Astros. And also everyone's mad that the Astros, you know, didn't get 
their boo tour or whatever people were calling it because there were no fans in the stands right. last year. So no people, but whatever. But also I brought up, you know, keep in mind, not to the same extent for sure, but the Red Sox got caught cheating too. So it's not like they're a perfect oh, yeah. example of, you know, they're not mm-hmm. completely out of the woods right here. They they got caught too. Their manager was suspended for all last year for, for, for that. So yep. they're not completely innocent in this. Again, not to the extent of the Astros, but you know, they're not perfect angels sitting here right now either. Um, but yeah, so it's just, int- I'm, I'm very much rooting for Dusty. I think I, when he was here, I mean, c- could not have been more, he's just an all around great guy. Oh, he's, yeah. he's so interesting. He, you know, so cool. He's just a cool mm-hmm. presence. Um, and you know, we talked about this when he was hired, probably one of the old few guys who you want to come in and put that fire out. And that was Houston after 2019. Um, and I think he's done a great job. Obviously, a lot of talent there too, as well. But um, right. I, I think I'm I'm rooting for Dusty in this one. And as a personal league, I just can't root anything for anything Boston. No, it's me, just, it's really tough. Me either. So yeah. I guess that's what makes the postseason so fun. And if you have to look for teams to root for, then you have to figure it out and figure out your alliances. And I guess where would Dusty Baker here on yeah. this podcast? Renee Team Dusty. Renee Silver on Facebook saying go Red Sox and Schwarber. So some Nats oh, fans okay. are are are, are, are on the other side rooting for Max and Trey also says Renee so be sure to comment along if you're watching with us on Facebook and YouTube uh, we'll be taking comments all day long let's get to the Nationals because there was some news over the weekend and of course yesterday making it official uh, the Nationals have found the replacement for Kevin Long Darnell Coles hired as their new hitting coach he's a 59 year old has been a hitting coach um, for the past seven seasons across Major League Baseball he is a, a good friend of Davey Martinez. And, and Amy, we talked about this last week when we were thinking about possible replacements. It's going to be someone who Davey knows. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to pick someone that he's familiar with. They only had one season together as teammates in Cincinnati back in 1992. Crazy, that's the year I was born. <laughs> um, but they also have lived together in the Tampa area, I believe, and in the same living community. They have kids that are the same age. They took family vacations together. So someone Davey knows really well, and I'm, I'm obviously in trust with uh, coaching up his hitters. What did you make of the hire um, over the weekend? Well, I think this is almost, if you take out completely, you know, the baseball aspect of it, uh, you know, personally wise, it's kind of a perfect fit on both ends because he had, he is familiar with the nationals and familiar with the national system. Although it was a good bit of years ago four systems, four seasons in in the minor league system. So he has that connection to the nationals. And then of course he has that connection to Davey Martinez. And as, although they only played that one year together um, with, with the reds, they they've grown up, their families have grown up together. So I think it kind of seems good. And it seems like Davey Martinez's philosophies align um, um, with Eros as well. So I, I think it's a really good fit. Um, and I guess we'll kind of see see how that pans out. Yeah, here's Davey Martinez in a statement released by the Nationals announcing the hire of Darnell Coles. We're very excited to add Darnell Coles as our hitting coach. We align on hitting philosophy, process, and focusing on the here and now, which, of course, we know Davey focuses mm-hmm. on a lot. He's not only an outstanding hitting coach, but a great baseball man. Darnell has a great rapport with both veterans and young players and brings a thorough understanding of the analytics that we would like to incorporate. And we'll get into some of that kind of stuff because Darnell met with the media on Monday afternoon via Zoom. Um, and we'll talk about what he talked about, about his philosophies, his mantra, how he incorporates analytics and stuff like that. But like you mentioned, Amy, this is kind of a homecoming for Darnell. He spent four years as a minor league coach and manager for the Nationals. He was a, the roving, roving hitting instructor in 2006. Manager at short season single A Vermont in 2007. Manager at low A single A Harrisburg in 2008. And then the hitting coach at triple A Syracuse in 2009. So, 
that's a, a long time ago, you know, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. over 10 years ago. Um, that he was both the Nationals, but there is some familiarity with that. He kind of referenced that, you know, I, you know I've, been, I'll, I've been here. He talked about Ryan Zimmerman. You know, he said he remembers when Ryan Zimmerman was signed after being drafted, and he kind of watched him grow up in, as a hitter, which is pretty interesting. So, And he even said, we'll hear from Darnell in a little bit too, but he said he'll do anything, everything in his power mm-hmm. to try to get Zim to come back. Um, so just going through the resume, you know, he was with the Brewers heading coach 2015-2018. Uh, then he resigned at the end of that season, and five days later, he signed uh, with the D-backs as their hitting coach for two seasons. Was fired earlier this year um, by Arizona. Uh, he play, he was um, he played a well, was like a fourteen year career. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a third baseman and corner outfielder. Played with eight different big league clubs, including the Mariners, Tigers, Pirates, Giants, Reds, Blue Jays, Cardinals, and Rockies. Um, he in the, the, the you look at some of the work that he's done. He was assistant hitting coach with some of those great early 2010s Tigers teams. He mm-hmm. has a good track record of getting some really good production out of really good hitters. And um, I think this is an interesting hire as it relates to Juan Soto. We'll hear in a second what uh, Darnell thinks about working with Juan Soto. But, you know, he has worked with some of the best hitters in the game going all the way back to Miggy Cabrera in Detroit, exactly, yeah. Christian Yelich in Milwaukee. So it's not like his, this is a, a, a young hire or a new guy that's working his way up. It's an established guy and knows how to work with veterans. Right. I mean, and was with that Brewers team when they went to the ALCS. And in LCS, yeah. Whew, that'd be really <laughs> crazy back in the day. Um, to the NLCS. And then, of course, you know, in his first year with Arizona, it was right after they traded away Paul Goldschmidt. He yep. kind of turned things around there when they were having a not so great offensive year, turned things around. Obviously, the past year, he didn't get the results that he was wanted, ultimately was fired in June. But it's kind of cool. He kind of took a similar path to Davey Martinez into coaching and into the majors. Davey Martinez took that hitting and instructor job to start to to start his career and moved on up and obviously um the track record is, is here for Coles as well yeah you mentioned those years with the Diamondbacks they saw some really great improvements during his first year as their hitting coach uh this was in 2019 they finished sixth in the National League in runs seventh in batting average eighth in on-base percentage in slugging and OPS while matching a club record with 220 home runs that was an increase of 44 home runs from the previous season now that's interesting though too because when we talk, when we move on to the conversation about his philosophies and stuff, you know, he's not really, not really that idea. You know, you think about the early 2010s and, you know, the, those Diamondback teams, I think a lot about the Yankees teams, Orioles teams that just mashed home runs. And he, that, that was the big thing back then. Now it's all about contact, lifting the ball, putting the ball in play. And he's kind of evolved with that. He said, you know, he, he wants the guys to put the ball in play more, not chase as much, not swing as much, dominate the strike zone is what he said. Um, and, and, not really just live or die by the long ball, which is kind of what those uh, Diamondbacks teams did while he was the hitting coach. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And although, you know, a, a lot of team, you know, you're trying to make contact, that's a big philosophy uh, throughout baseball today. Long ball is still very relevant. And a lot of guys, yeah. a lot of teams do live and die by the long ball. So I think it might be a, a, a breath of fresh air for this Nationals team, especially this lineup that's young and developing to kind of, you know, maybe break those habits or, or get better at making making that solid contact. We know the Nationals did make contact, didn't strike out a whole lot this year, uh, but making making that hard contact, solid hits is going to be really important, and we'll get more into that um, after we hear from Darnell. Well, one of the, yeah, well, like you said, one of the best players on this roster of not striking out 
walking a bunch, putting the ball in play, is Juan Soto, of course, considered one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And, you know, I think it was the second question Darnell was asked, and he brought up Juan Soto and getting to work with him. And he said there's not much he wants to change with Juan Soto and how it relates to his swing. Well, I think uh, with Juan Soto, though, what I've dug in there is that nobody under any circumstances is to mess with his swing. He is the uh, epitome of what a uh, great major league hitter is. He understands the strike zone. He uh, pays attention to detail. He understands what they're trying to do. He does his homework. He uh, doesn't let the moment get too big for him. He stays to the middle of the field. Uh, his best quality is that he can basically get a hit whenever he wants to uh, to the opposite field, which is uh, tough to do. You know, so um, I think a lot of people in baseball understand the kind of player he is. Obviously, this organization does. And uh, my objective is to make sure that he gets, as well as everybody else, everything they need uh, to ensure that we on a daily basis can compete against any team. But again, it's it's an offense that when we're not hitting home runs, because we're going to hit home runs, uh, we've got to figure out a way situationally to score runs uh, when we're not hitting home runs. we got to get guys on. we got to get guys over. we got to figure out how we're going to get those guys in. we got to control the strike zone. we got to uh, make sure that uh, – you know, sometimes you got to have tough conversations when guys are, uh, you know, swinging outside the, the zone or they're, they're trying to do too much or not allowing the next guy to do his. So, again, analytically, we're trying to make sure that uh, walk percentage, chase percentage, swing percentage all lines up. Are we swinging a lot? Uh, are, we, are, are we making good contact? Great, then that's fine. But if you're swinging a lot and then now that leads to chasing a lot, that means you're not walking and then we're going to fall off the cliff. So there's multiple ways that we've got to figure out what each individual guy needs and we'll attack their strengths. Uh, and we'll also attack their weaknesses because we've got to make sure that we, we have a consistency that leads to balance throughout the lineup from top to bottom. Interesting thoughts right there that you, you don't want to touch. You don't fix what's not broken, right? You know, Juan Soto, MVP candidate, uh, one of the best, even after a struggling start, uh, one of the best seasons we saw last year. He put together a great last, what, two thirds of the season this year, um, you know, and was a catalyst for an, off an offense that wasn't the problem for the Nationals, really. I mean, even after the trade deadline, we talked about how they almost got even better, and he was a major part of that. Um, but I, w one thing I want to point out to Amy is like, I, I want to look at some other big-time hitters that Darnell Coles has worked with. Let's start with a pretty big obvious one in Christian Yelich. Uh, Christian Yelich's first season in Milwaukee was Darnell Coles' eventual last season in Milwaukee as his hitting coach, but obviously Coles had established himself there. Yelich entered Milwaukee a 290 hitter with an 800 OPS over five seasons with the Marlins. In his first season with the Brewers with Darnell Coles as his hitting coach, he won the batting title by hitting 326 with an 1,000 OPS. His previous career high was, was a 300 average in 2015 and an 859 OPS in 2016. He, of course, led the league in, his, in, in batting average, and he also led the league in a 598 slugging percentage and a 164 OPS plus, and 343 total bases. Was an all-star. Of course, won the MVP by a landslide that year, receiving 29 out of 30 first-place votes and the Silver Slugger Award. So I'm not saying, you know, it's, it's hard to quantify how much Cole's really played a factor mm -hmm. there, but I mean, he wasn't not a factor. You know what I mean? So he has 
has experience working with some of the best hitters in the game, and that was one of the breakout years, if not the breakout year for Christian Yelich, and, and being one of the best hitters in the game, and now he's moving on to Juan Soto. Right, and the, what's kind of interesting about that is, you know, the key is knowing what to kind of tamper and mess with and right. not mess with. So you wonder how much of that was messing with his swing and things like that, or if kind of, like he mentioned uh, in that sound that we just listened to, if it's more of giving these hitters the information that they need, the tools that they need as far as pitching matchups, teams that they're facing, so on and so forth. And that's kind of where he's going to probably incorporate more analytics and things like that. Um, and he said that's, you know, kind of key. He wants to be prepping these hitters. And Juan Soto is one of those guys where you're not so much messing with his swing. He does dominate the strike zone exactly like Darnell Coles once. It's just more of giving him that information that he needs in every single at bat. So you might say, all right, well, Christian Yelich also went healthy, one of the, if not one of the best hitters in all, all the exactly. sports. So how much are you changing? All right, let's go to someone else then. Lorenzo Cain, same season, entering that year, he had slashed 289, 342, and 421 for 759 OPS over seven seasons with the Royals. His first season with the Brewers, career highs in average and on-base percentage, 308 and 395 respectively, respectively, with an 813 OPS. Yes, also career high and walks by a ton, finishing with 71. I mean, that, that compared to Juan Soto, it's not as much, but for Lorenzo Cain, that was a lot. Um, and I don't know how much Coles plays a factor into this, probably very little, but he also had a career high in stolen bases that year in 30. And then he finished seventh in the National League MVP voting and was an all-star that year too. So it's not just, you know, taking the best hitters in the game too. It's also, you know, some of your right. higher in the order guys, lower in the order guys, There's a, the, the wide range of kinds of players that Darnell Coles has a, a rapport with and has shown has some tangible results. Right. And that's super important, you know, as far as his philosophy and the nationals, because it's always, you know, the next man up, you're protecting the guys, you know, that come after you. Um, and the nationals, while they hit and made contact this year, they didn't ne necessarily make contact with runners in scoring position and so on and so forth. So that's kind of come, comes in key and also not chasing those pitches, the hard to hit pitches. Um, and you mentioned that walk rate that Lorenzo mm. Kane had. So I'm sure that plays into it. So it's kind of more, you know, you can see where these philosophies align with some of these top hitters that he, he has coached. Yep. And then another player I want to add is Kettle Marte. Uh, with the Diamondbacks over his four, first four seasons as a major league ball player, he was hitting 260. First season with Coles in 2019, he hit 329 with a 981 OPS and a career high 32 homers, 92 RBIs, 389 on base percentage, and 592 slugging. All star, fourth in National League uh, MVP voting. Uh, so uh, just another guy, kind of along the same lines as Kane. You know, not one of known for being a big, you know consistent hitter obviously he came in with a 260 average and then bumps up to almost 330 in one season pretty impressive jump that's quick math that's 50 almost 50 points higher right. or 60 points actually um, and, and one season working with Coles. And I think those are, I really like that you pointed those guys out because that's going to be kind of key with the Nationals. The thing with hitting coaches is, you know, you kind of saw it with Coles, with Arizona. You know, sometimes it's more important to look at individual players and mm -hmm. their development and the progress that you see rather than, you know, the, the lineup as a whole because sometimes you're going to be forced into the situation that the Nationals are in right now where they're going through a rebuild. It's all young hitters. So to see their improvement individually might be more, you know, um, 
more of a true example of his work, especially with the Nationals at this point, than their offensive production as a whole. Obviously, you hire a hitting coach because yeah. you want good offensive production, but you also have to look at the individual players. So I think those are those are good notes. Yeah, and so Cole's actually resigned and stepped down from his hitting coach position with Milwaukee at the end of 2018. Six days later on Halloween was hired by Arizona. So I wonder, you know, if that Christian Yelich season kind of put him on the map and then, you know, the Diamondbacks just came to him for a, with a better offer. And so he just decided, I don't know about that, mm -hmm. but you never know. But um, also, I mean, it wasn't just Marte with, with the Diamondbacks. If you look across that 2019 Diamondbacks team, there's a lot of other younger guys who had some really good seasons. I mentioned the home runs. They hit a lot of home runs, so it's a lot more improvement on power numbers because of the amount of homers that they were hitting. Um, you know, Christian Walker, I think, hit 30-something home runs that year, uh, which is which is kind of crazy. But, you know, that just goes to show, like, it, it, there are a couple really obvious standouts, but whole teams have really good seasons under him as well. Um, let's hear from... Darnell, a little bit more about his mantra, about his, how he kind of, his philosophies, how he's going to be coaching up these guys uh, here in D.C. And, and what he's expecting out of them in terms of how to get run production without using the long ball. Uh, well, I, I, again, it's dominate. Let's dominate the strike zone. Let's, let's, and how, do, how, how do we do that? That's, 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 we're controlling the strike zone and we, and we, and so that we make good decisions. Um, that's, game planning, understanding what the pitcher's trying to do um, so that now you can make your adjustments in game or, or pregame, however, however we do it. Again, uh, we've got to make them just based on how the game flow is, sharing information, and then lastly, being situationally aware, you know, understanding that the scoreboard is going to tell you everything you need to know. Uh, and, and, and you've got to understand you know, once you get guys out on the bases, we've got to figure out a way to get them in. We've got to get them over. we got to get them on first, get them over, get them in. And, and But most importantly, at the end of the game, I look at the stat, the left on base. How many guys did we leave on base? You know, if we left an enormous amount of guys uh, on base, and that means that we're not doing very well with hitting with runners and scorers. So we've got to clean that up and make sure that that each and every run we score preferably early allows our pitcher to relax and go out and pitch. So um, the consistency of our, our, of our offense showing up every night is not going to be based on home runs. It's going to be based on us going out and battling every night, not giving pitches away, not giving at bats away, trusting the next guy next to you uh, so that if I don't get the job done, he'll get the job done. Cole's right there talking about the, the, the situational hitting the left mm -hmm. runners left on base, um, which is, Kind of interesting because if you look at his time with the Brewers, that was a big negative for him and those teams. Um, they set the all-time major league record at the time for strikeouts in consecutive seasons between 2016 and 2017. They moved up a little bit in 2018, but I think a lot of people contribute that to the addition of Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain. Um, and the situational hitting, they were 25th in the majors in average and tied for 21st in OPS with runners in scoring position over his four years in Milwaukee. So interesting that he you know, mentioned that 
because that's not really a part of his track record. It's some of that situational hitting and hitting with runners on base. Yeah, well, and I think he kind of hits one of the Nationals' main issues, right. you know, right on the head because while they were making contact and while they struck out the least amount in the National League, they still had issues with situational hitting and, and getting guys across home plate. They had a 198 batting average with the bases loaded this season and stranded the most runners in all of baseball. So making contact is one thing, but making good contact and in scoring guys is another so situational hitting is going to be a really big deal um and obviously he's coming in prepared to tackle that yeah 1168 runners left on base for the nationals this season like you said most in baseball that's an outstanding number to me uh, that's just and that's something we talked a lot about near the end of the season i think you look at the early part. I mean, the June the Nationals had was great, and that's when they were. I mean, you have Kyle Schwarber, you know, hitting home run after home run, but they were hitting situationally runs in scoring position really well. It's the second half of the seasons where that kind of fell off. There was a lot of games where the yes, the pitching wasn't fantastic, wasn't great, but there were opportunities late in the game. If you get that one or two clutch hitting, this is you know maybe we're talking about the season a little differently, not much, but a little bit because they did kind of go all in on the rebuild. Um, but yeah, so it, it's that's clearly something that Darnell has looked at this team before. You know, he hopped on a Zoom call with us and said this is the point of emphasis, and mm-hmm. I'm sure Davey Martinez said that too because Davey preached and preached and preached and pre- I can't even tell you how many times post game this year he talked about we just need that one big hit with you know a guy on second or a guy on third bases loaded they were terrible with the bases loaded this right. year worse than baseball so that is something that Darnell has is going to have his hands full next year working with veterans and younger guys yeah and that's what I mean I liked what he said where I'll look at the scoreboard scoreboard and that mm-hmm. kind of says everything because the Nationals had a good offense I mean they led the National League in batting average and on base percentage and like I said they striked out the fewest times in the National League as well but it's just making good contact they make contact but it's just making good contact in big situations um, they were fourth in contact percentage at 77 so like I said they're hitting the ball they're not striking out but they're just not making good contact I mean they let him be with a 48.8 ground ball rate so that's not going to get guys that's not going to move guys around um, and if you look at the scoreboard that's what's going to represent you know the situations you hit are you scoring those guys on base and they can't leave guys on base um, like they did this year so I like the way he said that and I summed it up, summed it up as we're going to dominate the strike zone and that's how you do it that's how you get you get those those runs in yeah and he was talking about swing percentage he wants to see guys you know not chase Make and it's like even if you can hit the pitch, and I think this applies a lot to guys, younger guys like Carter Keebum and Luis Garcia. Even if you can hit the pitch, doesn't mean mm-hmm. you should swing at the pitch. You know, if you can make contact, great, but we want good contact. We want balls that are going to fall in the outfield, get through the gaps, stuff like that, and and not just swinging for the fences. You know, there was a couple of times, and which is a sign of a good hitter, right? I mean, Luis Garcia has shown that he can manage a strike zone at the major league level at such a young age. I think that what we want to see from him is be a little more selective with that. And just because I can hit it doesn't mean I should swing at it because it also might be a ball or, you know what, I can take that strike mm-hmm. and, and try to get a better pitch to hit. Yeah, limiting swings on those hard-to-hit pitches is going to be 
super key. And like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's kind of like Luis Garcia is like, he's proved that he can hit at the major league level. And that's kind of the next step, the next breakthrough. And that's why Juan Soto is obviously so great because he doesn't swing. He's super selective and doesn't swing at those hard to hit pitches that he know he can't make solid contact on. Um, it, it's going to be those small developments with Luis Garcia. Can he take that next step, especially with Carter Keboom and, and Victor Robles, who are kind of still on that brink of, are they ready to hit at the major league level? level that's going to be key and I think communicating that giving these guys this information working with those young guys is good and it, it kind of seems like Coles is a good fit for that uh, for this lineup the way it, it's stacked up right now so talking about those young guys what do you think is going to be Darnell Coles's biggest challenge uh, next year I mean I'm, we have, don't know the exact details about the contract how much mm-hmm. how long it's going to be um, you know I, I would assume, since we know Davey has at least two more years under contract, it's a, maybe a year with an option, something like that, where he, you know, Davey would want him around for a while. But 2022, what is Coles' biggest challenge with these young hitters? Well, I think, you, I mean, you also have to be reasonable with your expectations. I mean, just like we have to be patient with the rebuild, I think you have to be patient with the development of these young hitters. And Coles obviously isn't going to be able to walk in and change, you know, these young guys swing and, you know, it all just snaps like that. You're getting to know these young hitters and he kind of has his plate full with a lot of them. Yeah. You know, he's been in other situations where he's had, you know, you have a couple young guys always, but you're not necessarily having like four or five young guys in your lineup. So I think it's probably the the load of all of these young guys that you're mm-hmm. working with and the development, but you have to be reasonable with your expectations. It's not going to be a one-year turnaround with all of these players, but like you're looking at those best hitters that he has worked with throughout his career, you will see the steady improvements, I would mm-hmm. imagine, you know, as the season goes on, um, just like you saw the improvements with Juan Soto, as little as they might seem, you know, over that past year. Yeah, you alluded to it earlier too. It's like, you know, how much work do these coaches actually have to do when you look at a Juan Soto, a Josh Bell, um, if he comes back, a Ryan Zimmerman? They, they're veterans guys, and in and, and one case of the best youngest hitter in, 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 in baseball. So it's more about studying film, making small adjustments, as opposed to you know breaking it all down and building it back up again. But then you look at this roster and guys that are probably going to be here, it's, there's a lot of young guys that he might, you know, could help out help with mm-hmm. and like we talked about Carter Keebum, Luis Garcia don't forget about catchers Caber Ruiz and Riley Adams I mean those are young guys that show flashes that they can help out this offense can, can they make small adjustments as well uh, can they improve over the course of the season uh, and then you go up to the outfield Victor Robles that is a major project right now for the Nationals a one-time number one overall prospect the guy that was supposed to be better than Juan Soto mm-hmm. gets demoted and spends the last what month and a half two months of the season at Triple A. Performed well down there, but this is supposed to be your everyday center right. fielder and leadoff guy, and he hit barely above 200 this year. And I truly believe that might be Victor Robles, might be his number one project. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a guy that has to get things going, and it's a guy that the Nationals organization are investing in, and then they and they want to get things going. So that might be a big project, and it's almost completely offensively. So this will be a good project and a good fit for Coles. I think what's kind of interesting is how he mentioned, I mean, both Davey Martinez mentioned in his statement and both Coles mentioned in that press conference was kind of how he wants to incorporate analytics more. Yeah. And the Nationals are kind of, you know, in this weird phase right now where they just 
tech or their their director of technically their analytics department just left um and you know that's the guy who established their whole online database the pentagon and you know kind of build it up from the ground up. And so I think that'll be interesting to see how the Nationals rebuild that department or, you know, kind of add on to it and, and what Coles is looking for as far as, you know, incorporating that more um, in the Nationals hitting. And no offense to Coles, he's, he's not super young, but he's also not very old. He's not even 60 yet. I mean, you see a lot of coaches above 60, and that's where you kind of see that weird like blurred line between older guys of the older generation right. don't really want to go in on analytics and and cole said you know I'm, I'm in i'm all in and i really like that he mentioned that you know i need to figure out a way how to um present these numbers these statistics analytics to these players I will, and he's like I have, i'm gonna sit down with everyone and be like what makes the most sense to you or what is most important to you and then from there we can either take something away or add something or i need to find a way how to communicate what i'm trying to get across to him via the analytics to these players so they understand mm -hmm. them and then can incorporate them in their games yeah and i think that's what he wanted to, well he mentioned what is the run prevention coordinator that he was mentioning yeah. Uh, uh, he mentioned a lot. Uh, yeah, a, a potential coaching position that he would like to add because he mentioned, you know, you have this coaching staff and, you know, you have one over here, one throwing BP, uh, kind of things get blurred. So he kind of would like one to maybe work right. with the video, um, with the guys in, in player development, the video coordinators, and kind of be able to bridge that between the players getting that information and incorporating that uh, analytics. And I, he mentioned, you know, adding on that, role or adding on that coaching position might help it's unclear you know how much involvement he will have in the hiring process of these other coaches and if they are willing to add on any positions um, but we know things are kind of wide open right now as far as that goes so that'll be interesting to yeah see. definitely in the in the analytical department for sure and we talked about that when uh the coaching staff kind of got shuffled around a week or two ago um how that also could probably apply to because mike rizzo said at the end of the season that they're going to do like a whole right. self-evaluation and, and change things around but i can't imagine that didn't come up in his conversation with david martinez he talked about like you said wanting two or three guys to help him out you're not not just the one assistant hitting coach but you guys like guys in, in the film room mm -hmm. you have guys that are on bb you guys have chatting on the side so you know it could be like not just a hitting coach and assistant hitting coach. It could be like the hitting department, you know, mm -hmm. like think about it as like a, a university. You have your hitting department. You're going to have a pitching department a, with an offset of a bullpen department. And then you're going to have defensive department. So like it could be a much bigger thing or in terms of, you know, not just, you know, a coach and a B coach. You're going to have a couple of different guys handing out with Darnell being, you know, the dean of it all and, right. and kind of having everything trickle down and make sure everyone's on the same page, but also getting the intention they need at the same time. And it's kind of nice because we're in a period where like front offices and coaching staffs are kind of shifting and molding into to different shapes across baseball so it's a right. good time for the nationals as they're going through this rebuild to kind of rebuild everything and you know kind of go with what works and they've always you know loved this blend between old school and new school so now's a good good time to kind of you know mix it all up and and it seems like Coles almost is kind of a blend of old yeah. and new school. And what I think kind of will be beneficial for him is sometimes, you know, former players jump right into major league role coaching roles. And he has that experience, not only in the minors and, you know, helping young players develop, but also in the nationals minor league system. Right. So I think, you know, with all of these young guys, 
it'll help that he has that minor league experience and has that minor league experience in this specific organization. Yeah, that's actually that would be a great question if next time we get to talk to him is like, you know, you were a roving hitting instructor all way back way in 2006, but this organization is obviously completely different right now. But, you know, you played that role. Is that the role that you want to see filled and you will have some oversight with? Because I was actually just going to bring up, you know, I went through the active roster and guys that we expect to be here at the major league level. But what about guys that might be coming up? I know the Nationals don't have top um, position player prospects knocking on the door ready to burst through. But like, could Darnell Coles have a hand in, say, Brady House's development down at the, major, at the minor league level in terms of how they want to you know, create this whole thing. If this is going to be a whole project, might as well do it and do it right so it affects the entire organization. That way, if... Darnell Coles is still here in two or three years, whatever it may be, and Brady House comes up. Mm-hmm. When Darnell Coles presents him with these analytical numbers, he doesn't see him for the first time. You know what I'm saying? So he'll understand more, and that goes for everybody else. You know, Armando Cruz, all the top prospects who are position players. So that's an interesting question. I wonder if that is he's not just talking about the major league roster. He's talking about the Nats organization as a right. whole because it'll that's – that's how the best organizations do it. And, you know, that would be really cool to see because last week we were talking about whether it was – whether they were going to sign a hitting coach into a, a long-term deal, if they right. were going to be here when the team was competitive again, or if it's more of a temporary thing. But if the plan is to kind of build it from the bottom up and, and you know, kind of incorporate every level in the minor leagues, um, then it kind of makes more sense to have a guy that's sticking around for a while. So. That'll be interesting to see. I know he was just hired, so it's a little soon to say, in four years, what's he going to do? But it is something to think about, and I wonder if that's in the conversation with both Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez as they're hiring new coaches, working together, uh, making a game game plan. I think that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, he said he didn't even have all the players' phone numbers yet. (laughs) So let's get in touch. Let's do our uh, meets and greets, and then we can talk about maybe revamping the entire organization um, in terms of how they're hitting coaches. And I wonder if that's going to have any effect. I mean, you know, they're coaches together. They're going to talk to each other, but how that's going to affect Jim Hickey and the pitching staff, because we talked about a little bit just now. And then clearly a lot over the past couple of months, the offense wasn't necessarily the problem. I mean, yeah, they had their flaws, but the, 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 the pitching staff was the reason that they lost so many, um, uh, games late in the season. So I wonder how Jim Hickey is going to kind of revamp that whole way that the, or the organization looks at pitching and how they're going to, you know, move forward. I know it's a lot of young guys, but you know, it, they, they, can right. really only go up. And what I kind of liked is he mentioned in in that press conference was that you know his job is to to, to score more runs early on in games to take the pressure off this mm. this pitching staff. So he kind of alluded yep. alluded to the the pitching issues not only with keeping starters in the game but of course the bullpen late in the game. Well, you can kind of avoid that by scoring more runs. So I kind of like that he mentioned that, and that's where you, you'll see probably a little bit of collaboration and that that'll be cool to see yeah yeah i mean if, if you're breaking down his philosophies and mantras to the bare bones it was get them on get them over get them in and get them I in early that, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and, and, and then it's just easier on everybody else yeah. if you can do that you're gonna have a pretty good season yeah. so um that's the problem though i don't know how much he watched the nets bullpen highlights yeah. or lowlights, <laughs> i should say but oftentimes Might not those, be that easy. those leads did not hit uh stand for very long um especially when that's yeah, it was early. how many games they lost when they scored like five or more runs it was a lot still a lot it was most so of them so it, yeah it's not always that simple but it's definitely a good place to start and um i guess kind of another thing an important thing that he touched on and you kind of touched on at the beginning was talking about ryan zimmerman and mm-hmm. how you know he was hitting instructor in his first in kind of ryan's first 
year breaking through the majors. And it was cool to hear him say, you know, I will do everything to kind of get him here. And I think that's a matter of both obviously knows that this guy can hit and still hit at this age, but also he's a veteran presence. And when you're a new coach and and you, you were here when this guy first came into the majors and you know that he's still productive, um, you, you kind of know his value in the clubhouse. And that's kind of invaluable when you have all of these young guys coming up. I, I know you don't hire a coach to appease one player. I mean, we kind of referenced it about Kevin Long and Juan <laughs> Soto last, last week, but and I know, you know, you definitely don't do that for a player that's on the tail end of his career, but I wonder how much Darnell Cole's coming back will affect Ryan Zimmerman's decision. Like, is that going to mm-hmm. be someone he's, he's like, oh, I would definitely want to work with him again for another season um, and, and come back and, and play for him or something like that. Right. Because he was like one of the first coaches I met during the, when I started with this organization. And it has to put the pressure on you a little bit. Obviously, his decisions are not going to all come down to, right. to, to what Darnell Cole says, but it kind of puts the pressure on him. It's like, hey, this new hitting coach really wants you here. Are you going to walk out now? I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, there wouldn't be any bad blood there either right. way. But, you know, I think it kind of puts the pressure on him and, and kind of probably is another pat on the bat for Ryan Zimmerman as far as him making a decision. Well, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We both think that there's a spot for him on this roster. Darnell Coles apparently thinks that there's a spot for him on this roster. So that's obviously a storyline to continue following throughout the course of the offseason. Off Although I would imagine that would not happen until after, well after the new year as we get closer to spring training like he did in 20. The 2019 offseason and then 2020 offseason this past yeah, year. And just kind he, of wait and see how the roster fills out. Yeah, and he even said, you know, when he was making his decision, he's going to decide when it comes time, you know, late, you know, leading up to spring training, do I want to play golf or do I want to get in baseball <laughs> yeah. shape? So I think it literally might uh, might come down to those, you know, those last few weeks before spring training. One more small connection. I know he probably won't be here anymore. I mean, he's retiring, but I don't think he's going to be – a, a coach here, but Darnell Coles was Alex Avila's hitting coach in Arizona for a season oh, um, in 2019. True. So another small connection that Coles has to the Nationals. Well, well that's one major checklist marked off of Dave right. Martinez's to-do list uh, for the offseason. Of course, they need a first base coach and a third base coach still to come. Um, I, major League Baseball doesn't really like play, teams making too many major announcements during the postseason, so that might not be for a couple of weeks or so until after the World Series. But if any news breaks, be sure to tune in to MassinSports.com, Masson All Access. The podcast will have you covered at Masson Nationals on all social media accounts. We'll have all your breaking news for you um, on all, all, all those uh, outlets. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's, there should be a lot more things to come. We'll be talking about some arbitration guys coming up in the next couple of weeks, possibly look at the free agent market as the World Series starts getting closer to wrapping up so a lot more to discuss looking forward to the 2022 season here on the mass and all access podcast which you can follow on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, or soundcloud wherever you find podcasts you can find us and you can also tune in every single week we are live on the mass and nationals facebook page and youtube channel you can watch us as we are now in uh, our, our what is this our third off our season? third, no, no, no our third studio of, oh. this, of this year oh. well including home home We've had web studio, web uh, newsroom. So yeah. three. So we're back in the newsroom. Who knows where you'll find us next? Yeah, who knows? Where's we'll, the Mass and All Access podcast? Yeah. <laughs> at Amy Jennings News on Twitter. For Amy, I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Big thanks to Brendan Mortensen for running the show behind the scenes and for Paul Mancano for all of his help as well. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the postseason. We'll talk to you next week.